space-time, the ever-expanding frontier. These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second and contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek Podcast. Hello and welcome back to Season 2, Episode 3.2. I can't remember on that. And uh, Season 2, Episode 5 of Picard. We are still in 2024, but uh, as we learnt last week, uh, we are now in sort of the April time. So we're just before the summer holidays uh, as far as uh, France is concerned, although I think the French summer holidays are pretty much starting in April. So there we go. Um, and uh, with me still on the comms link, as you just heard, uh, is Dan. Uh, Dan, are you still there? I am still here. Yes. Ready yeah. and raring to go. Absolutely. Fantastic. Yeah. I might as well just keep the comms systems open because we're just going through, really. I mean, we haven't stopped yeah. recording from last time. No. You know, that was literally two minutes ago, really. It was, uh, yes. Not two weeks ago. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> and so we're just going to carry on. Uh, but you're still OK as far as the listeners are concerned. You're still all right. I'm all right. Yeah, I'm ticking along okay. quite nicely. Uh, and uh, new job on the horizon, by all accounts. Yes. Yeah, new job. So uh, getting ready for that. Waiting to hear back just to get it all, you know, get it moving. So, uh, yeah, soon, soon to be arting for a living. Fantastic. That sounds great. Especially when in this episode we've got a lot about sort of someone doubting their their post or doubting themselves and what they might actually do. Uh and uh whether she wants to go on a NASA type mission to uh, Europa or not. Uh but there we go. So um jumping back in at one minute and fifty seconds, we're in uh, Fly Me to the Moon. And this is very jumbled so i've just gone by the scenes as they displayed because the way it's played out it almost seems as though it's all happening at the same time we've got a lady in a cockpit who is a nasa type cockpit things are going badly there's warning signs going off everywhere then we flash over to the watcher's apartment picard still thinks that she's laris and that there's something going on there like did you time travel with us and you don't really remember it um but uh, she's got some weird flippy phaser thing that goes from up to the side a bit like yep. soren from generations which is pretty cool um then we go back to the cockpit there's still warning signs it's blaring thrusters are failing oh no what's going on back to the watcher's apartment picard reveals that his name is picard and that he's from the future uh back to the cockpit still there and then all of a sudden it's a training simulator it was never a nasa cockpit at all but we find out that this pilot this lady is the person who was reading the dixon hill book at the end of the last episode back to the watcher's apartment the watcher is watching her and that we find out there is a divergence coming and picard explains everything that's happened up to this point so far um talon explains that this pilot is his ancestor so as she's explaining it, the reason why I haven't tried to do just her scenes and then just the watcher's scenes is that it does seem to play into it. Like mm. she's going through this simulator and failing at the moment that Picard is explaining what's going on. And in fact, when we come back after the credits, it's almost like she's just gone to her her therapist straight after that. So it's still happening at the same time. Uh, and then that's it. We're straight into the credits. So, any thoughts on the opening scene? Yes, I think it did its job very well, actually. Yeah, um, I think um, 
yeah, it was interesting that bit with with Picard or not Picard with Rene. Um, you know, he wasn't sure what was going on there, and I quite liked that. It was a little bit, you know, the resolution was a little bit stock in a way. Yeah. You know, that training thing is a is something that happens quite yeah. often. Um, and I've got we we on we we as you know in the future we have uh, retreads and um, trade trids. Mm-hmm. I'm going to introduce a writrid. Oh, interesting. Okay, go for it. Which is a hatred of the writers. <laughs> and as much as I'm hearing more and more people moaning about Picard season two, I'm going to state right now that actually I think it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, it's it's got its ups and downs. There's no doubt about that, but it's pretty good. Yeah. But um, I don't like the use of Laris or the Larry, you know, the actress. It's nothing against the actress. It's nothing no. against her performance or anything like that. I just, it, it just annoys me slightly. It feels unimaginative. It feels like they signed her up for two seasons and then sort of realised when they started writing that they didn't have a, didn't have a part for her. Yeah. Um, and they had to sort of drop her in, basically. And um, <laughs> it's just, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, it just feels contrived to me and it just feels... There's there's a there's a there's a series called American Horror Story. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yes, I know. I, I haven't watched it, but I do know. So it jumps through different sort of themes in the show. Yeah, exactly. So each season is like a different story, but they use yeah. the same actors. Interesting. Which I can live with with that because it's it's you know that's a construct, that's an idea. Yeah. But this just feels like you know as much as I think her performance is really good. And I like her as a, you know, as a, as a character. I just wish they'd use someone different. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, does it matter? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just me <laughs> being grumpy. But, you know, yeah. I just wish they'd, they'd use a different character or a different actress, rather, or actor, yeah. whichever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I, my, that's my only gripe. I can completely see that. That's, um, you know, it fits into that Star Trek thing of, like, someone plays their own ancestor and it's the same face the exact same face yeah as we're going to see later in this episode there's another person also doing the exact same thing at least he picks up a paycheck again yeah. under the same surname uh you know it must be easier for them to just print it out at paramount just saying for sung work here yes. play brent spiner um you know that just makes it easier i i kind of hoped that the reveal was going to be that it was laris but perhaps an earlier version of Laris yeah. or perhaps a time traveling version of Laris. And that we found out that the reason she stuck around with Picard in season one is that she always knew she was going to meet Picard and, you know, there was going to be a bit more timey wimey yeah. to it. There was going to be a clever, clever reason why this is, it's just Talyn from earlier in her life. And we yeah. kind of get to know her and stuff like that. Cause she's a Romulan. So, you know, yeah. she lives up to at least 200 years as far as we know. I mean, we know that they're offshoots of the Balkans, but, what if going to Romulus changed their DNA so they actually live for 300 years? Or, yep. you know, there's there's a very real reason that we could have had the same character and she just goes through different aliases. Yep. We already know Laris is a super spy. Why isn't she yep. a time traveling super spy? You know, it just yep. doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, it is annoying. And I kind of wish that they'd kind of gone the route that they do with uh, Rafi. You know, every now and then she starts seeing Elnor's face on other people. Yes. That actually it's Picard seeing 
mm. uh, Laris's face on her that she's similar you know maybe they got an actress yeah. who was very very similar uh, and then just sort of changed it or, or did something with that and that it's him projecting his emotions and his um, uh, yeah, overall story with Laris onto her yeah uh, but yeah there we go you know it was it was just the post-covid world wasn't it they just they had that set of actors they need to keep it to just that yeah maybe yeah maybe to be fair to him there was a bit of that definitely but there we go uh we're coming out the credits obviously we've discussed the credits last time so we don't have to do that again um but uh four minutes 33 seconds and we're at chateau picard and the queen is hacking into la serena she's been left on her own why you would do that with a Borg queen, I'm not entirely sure. But she intercepts mobile phone cell towers and she impersonates all the crew uh, yes. before calling the police. Um, a, quite a clever plan, I thought. You know, if you want to, you know, take over the planet, why not bring them in and, and, and use the existing technology that's already there, as Raffi and Seven did last week by hacking into the networks? The Borg queen's going to do the exact same thing. Um, do you feel like this, this was sort of a smart play by her, that it could have worked... Yeah, I, I really like this actually. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's cool. And I, I like, you know, I like the little the use of the voices. It's mm. it's a, again, it's a little bit you know done. I think Data does it at some point, doesn't he? Yeah, where he yeah, and um, but yeah, I quite like that. And um, yeah, I think it's it makes sense. She's she's scheming, isn't she? She's mm. you know she's always trying to find the. You know, I think she says. I don't know if she says it in last episode or later on in this episode about the the silence, a deafening silence, or mm. you know, she's you know, so she, her nature is to try to create some kind of collective, as, as you know, however she can manage that. Mm. Very, and I was wondering if they were going to go down the route. When I remember first watching it and thinking she was hacking into the phone networks or the mobile phone mm. networks, and that they were going to do a bit of commentary on you know the, your devices are always listening to you. Yeah. And that she was going to listen to the chorus of everyone using their mobile phones. Yeah. I thought that, you know, because there's a there's an addictive element that they've introduced already into assimilation that you get used yeah. to it, that it will promote your endorphins and all this sort yeah. of stuff. That her way of getting a hit and a fix is to do that. And then it suddenly occurs to her to call the police. She's going to get someone to come. Then she could have a physical body to assimilate and all this kind of mm. stuff. And I genuinely thought she was going to assimilate him first. And yes. that we were we were going to do a bit of a body swap sort of you know, pod people kind of thing. Um, uh, similar to what we've gone through with uh, the crossing uh, yes. just a few, just a few week, weeks ago, uh, which finally came out and all the technical difficulties they're in with, uh, with Zachary in the background and every yes. now and then our cameras keep, keep cutting out. Um, yeah. But yeah, I just genuinely thought that's what she was going to do, that she was going to constantly be calling these people in. And then Girati comes in and realizes there's six or seven Borg already walking around and we would go from there. But as it was, it was just to lure Girati herself. So yep. there we go. Um, Raffi and Seven. Raffi wants to beam uh, Rios off the bus. Uh, but, you know, butterflies, we still have to keep this here. Seven wants to protect the timeline and wants to use an EMP pulse. I would say that's equally as disruptive, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, if you stop a bus midway through on a highway, on a really busy motorway, then the car behind it's going to smash into it. The car behind that's going to smash into that. You're causing an almighty pileup, which I, I know it's LA and I know it's famous for very bad traffic, but that's a traffic jam that wouldn't have happened in the first place. So yeah. that's another butterfly, surely. Yep. Um, 
But uh, on the bus, Rios takes out the ice guard. He's just about to pummel him. And then the guard's about to punch him back when we get the other guy who stands up, Pedro, and double fists Kirk style and takes him out. I'm wondering, is that the start of Kirk Fu? Did it get past... (laughs) Did it get passed down the generations? Was it like, uh, you know, I was going to be deported from America. And actually, this is Kirk's ancestor. And through the years, it's been passed down that double fists always take out your opponent. I, oh, I'd love that. That'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> I must admit, though, actually, I was going to say, I really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. Because that guy really deserved a kicking, didn't he? <laughs> he really did. He really did. And he got what he deserved. <laughs> and I'm very pleased about that. Yes. Yeah, I don't wish violence on people most of the time, but no. that guy no. was taking it a bit too far. Yeah, he, yeah. Deserved, he got what he deserved. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. And Pedro's a hero, if you ask me. <laughs> I was kind of hoping that someone else was going to do the double kick and then we'd get the complete Kirk Fu package. But there we go. <laughs> um, uh, back at the watcher's office, we find out that uh, actually she's not really a watcher. She's a supervisor, and that kind of clicks something in Picard's memory. Now, he seems to be able to remember Gary Seven, Kirk's missions. Like, he's pretty much remembered the entire uh, part of 1967, which I think it was, if memory serves. Um, But he couldn't remember who Rene Picard was in his own timeline, uh, like his own family history. It's just very weird that he studied so many Starfleet things and didn't really think to study one of his most famous ancestors, who's apparently going on, going on this critical mission that will change the future of humanity. Yeah, and I'm sure at some point in TNG, he mentions René Picard. I'm sure. It does ring a bell, yeah. There's some kind of mention of his family uh-huh. being important in early exploration or something like that. Yeah, and references so, yeah. it again in, yeah. in this season, you know, in the very yeah. first episode, that he seemed to know her in his speech or at least know that there was someone who was critical to the early days of the missions, but didn't bother to look it up. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, his, his encyclopedic knowledge of Kirk's missions. <laughs> I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit contrived, but I sort of like it as well because, you know, Kirk is meant to be this, you know, incredibly famous, the whole crew, you know, this mm-hmm. period of the Enterprise's sort of missions is sort of, you know, is 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 myth and not myth, that's the wrong word, um, is legendary. Mm-hmm. So maybe it makes sense. But to, as, as you say, to have quite such an encyclopedic knowledge <laughs> is interesting, to say the least. <laughs> I mean, what is the training package for a captain? Yeah. Do you have to study just the captains of the previous versions of your vessel? So only the Enterprise captains? You know, if it was, you know, Captain Flibbergibber of the uh, USS blah, 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 um, you don't bother really remembering that one because that's a different set. Um, you know, he only remembers the Enterprise missions. Yeah. Uh, and I'm surprised maybe he didn't come up with, you know, and then there was, you know, Pedro Kirk, hundreds of years ago, came up with the double-fisted punch, you know. <laughs> I love that. That should be canon. <laughs> that, that should, in fact, that should be. A, this is another short trek, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Yes. The Adventures of Pedro Kirk. A. Yeah. And it gradually got shortened to Kirk as they moved back to America, and then obviously became the Kirk Dynasty. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> the short trek. Yes. Pedro's journey, and yep. he's teaching this village of kids the double fist punch. When the ice soldiers come for you, it's like yep. done, and they're out. That's straight. <laughs> particularly when they've got a face like a Ferengi. 
then you yes. can take them out. And like this idea of the Ferengi just got passed down from the generations, this mythical creatures. Um, yes. Uh, in the Watcher's office, we also find out that Talon's been watching again Renee's development and she's been there for years. She's been there for decades watching her, um, but she's never really sort of got to know her. Um, we also watch in on her psychologist's interview. Mm. So we're watching her on this data pad, which... I know that gave me some real big sort of nostalgia for the old TNG, big chunky Romulan bits of technology. You know, it's it's uh, this weird triangle design from the TNG days, and it was so chunky and big. And I thought, yeah, that's that's proper TOS there and TNG as well. Um, but we also get this German doctor, yes, really weird, thick German, like crazy crackpot accent from Q. Uh, and uh, Q says, "That's no therapist. That's Q." Yeah, what's he doing? And he's trying to talk her out of the mission. Now, I know that there is this divergence. I know Q has brought Picard back in time to solve the problem, but Q is also causing the problem. Mm. At this point, did you think, you know, why, what is he actually playing at? Why did he bring him back and also cause the problem in the first place? Yeah, it's, it's a really weird one, isn't it? It's particularly when you've seen the whole se- season, because at the end, um, Q is very sort of benign and very caring and stuff. Mm. And it is, I was thinking about this when I was re-watching uh, the other day. You know, it doesn't quite make sense. I don't quite understand what, what's happening there. Mm-hmm. Because as you say, you know, he's trying to, to cause the, the disastrous future yeah. or apparently trying to do that. But as you say, you know, why why bring Picard back? Yeah. If you want the bad future to happen. And he seems to want that at this point, certainly. Mm-hmm. It's very odd. Yeah, I don't know what if there's a if there's a sort of canon explanation for that. Mm. Whether whether the writers have been sort of talked about that at all. But um yeah, I found that very odd. Mm. Yeah. I don't know what, what that's all about. Now obviously we will find out that that it's not really the cosmic significance that's the most important part of what's going on in Q's plan. It's actually slip, slightly more personal towards Picard. And I was wondering if he was just constantly just setting up these dominoes in order to lead Picard in a certain direction so that he will make personal choices with Talon that will affect Laris and obviously where that's going as well. But again, it just seems very convoluted even for Q. You know, why would yeah. Q the super being Q, the person, even if he is dying and even if he is doing all of this, why go to such lengths when we've seen in previous TNG episodes where he's jumped into his dreams, you know, uh, tapestry. He yeah. did it all in his head. Why yes. do it on a galactic scale when it's a personal journey? Do it in his head. We could have had an entire season. Admittedly, that would have made my job a lot easier. All done inside someone's head. Uh, you know, it's uh, it would have been Picard's dream on the shuttle as they're going to the Stargazer at the very beginning of season uh, episode one of season two. Um, and it just turned out it was just five seconds of time. Uh, but Q has solved the problem. We didn't need to create a fascistic confederacy. No. We didn't need to do all this. You know, it seems a lot of taffy pulling mm. for a very specific mission in mind, which he's done millions of times far easily. Yeah, it's it's odd. I think you're right. You know, again, I suppose it's you know you need you need the story, but yeah, but it, yeah, his his motivation seemed difficult to understand, mm. especially when you see the rest of the season and he you know 
and he at the end he's very you know he's very caring towards Picard and you know I mean I don't know whether he knew that that this would cause Picard to um, deal with his issues around his mother and stuff like that mm-hmm. whether that was the the plan but again as you say you know there's other ways Q could have done that yeah yeah it, it's 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 strange yeah and you know if it was a personal journey we could have had a i know a flashback season to la bar france when it's young picard and have old picard interacting with himself yeah. you know his, his younger version of himself and we get to meet his father and his mother and we actually deal with all of this all at that time rather than some crazy time travel mission further up back who knows you know who are we to to second guess is a god i suppose exactly uh, yes a god with performance issues i have to admit because yes. obviously he can't click his fingers at yeah. the moment so eh, maybe that's it um speaking of getting involved and being irresponsible we move over to a new character so someone we haven't seen at all up to this point uh, as far as our rewatch i know sung was referenced in uh, episode two but obviously we haven't watched that yet as part of our rewatch um but we're at a hearing and someone who looks a lot like Brent Spiner, uh, or the part of the Sung family, I should say, is pitching some new DNA experiment. And again, we get two scenes that are flashing side by side. Let's talk about Corey, his daughter. And then Corey's at home and she's doing stuff. She's like listening to music. She's doing all this kind of thing. And then it goes black to the hearing again. And uh, she can't leave the house. And we're seeing things like spearing, uh, spearhead operations all flashing up and documents and things like this. Uh, and then the session convenes and we get uh, a lady standing up who I seem to remember from, I don't know, the 1980s and the 1950s. And I think she was hanging around with a DeLorean at one point. I mean, there's a very familiar lady, let's just say that, from a time travel somewhere else in the universe. Um, but she says, you know, you're you're cut out, you're being irresponsible. There's Geneva Conventions about this, or at least there is a, a what is it, the need the uh, the actual name for it i didn't actually write it down my, my yeah memories. I, I didn't even write it down i'm looking further yeah. in the notes and i can't think of it but there's a special convention uh and uh and uh it will stop him from doing his genetic research um any thoughts on sung and his his uh pitch to be a god if i were a god and i could change things yeah it's very um sungian isn't it yeah. very true yeah, it's. He, I think if uh, if the genetics that that keep the um, appearance similar are definitely also linked to the the um, personality, because <laughs> I think this is a this is a sung. Uh, you could have picked any sung, and they would have reacted the same, basically, wouldn't they? That's it. You know, they're all slightly slightly megalomaniacal. <laughs> megalomaniacal. Mega- yeah. Know. That sounds yeah, good. Yeah, that'd do, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Megalomaniacal. I like that. That's <laughs> it. He's got his ackles up because, you know, he's being denied. So that makes sense. Um, yeah. And it does open up the thing where I've seen lots of people talking about this. You know, does it mean that the Sung family are all clones or actually they weren't ever a thing? Because we've never met a Mrs. Sung in any no. of the iterations. No, you're right. You know, we've only ever met a Android version of Mrs. Sung that we meet yes. way later in TNG uh, when they're still trying to figure out who everyone's family is in season seven. And you've got no Mrs. Sung's. So mm. could it just be that every Sung is directly descended from a variant of this guy? 
uh, and that's where all this I know uh, megalomaniacal uh, stuff comes from. You know, <laughs> that 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 is the the core gene when you want a song is that's it, and yeah. the only way to break it was to turn him into an android instead. Maybe, maybe yes. Uh, we've got. Um, he feels defeated. He goes home, yeah. and then sort of the two scenes marry up, and then Corey talks to her dad. Now, Corey again, it's another one where a character looks exactly the same as what they will eventually be in the future again Corey, or what will be soji is an android version of Corey, and you could probably say yeah she's a clone so i suppose that makes a little bit more sense but the introduction of Corey, did it really make any sense when we think wider now for the rest of the season did this story really need to be there i suppose the i, I sort of agree i'm not sure it does need to be there but i think the only thing it, it needs to be there for is to drive Sung mm. to 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 do what Q wants. Yeah, he needs a reason, you know, and what better reason than your child? Yeah. So I think that that's it. That's the, it gives him a drive. It gives him a reason to, you know, act the way he does. Mm. You know, to to attempt to, to basically to kill Picard. Kill Rene, obviously yeah. he doesn't in the end because he doesn't realise. But you know, that's what he did mm. in his in his mind. And um, so yeah, I think you need that again. I mean, it's funny that because I hadn't really both um, um, Brent Spiner and I can't remember the actress's name um, of for Corey. Um, yeah, I'm terrible with actresses actresses names as but well anyway i mean yeah. the use of them yes didn't really bother me and ah, it didn't, i didn't really notice actually i mean i suppose brent spiner you, you just expect him to be in star trek don't you he's, you know he's yeah. in every every sort of iteration of star trek in one way or another <laughs> um well it feels like that you know um and her part was small enough you know she only comes in and out of the, the story really mm. That it didn't really bother me so much as it did with Talon. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose we don't want to really hate the Sungs because we know that we will eventually love Sung type androids. We don't want to hate the family that gave birth to one of our favorite characters. So I suppose, yes. Um, and by giving him that father aspect, I suppose you can be forgiven to think, yes, he would you know, try and murder Jean Luc yeah. and also prevent Rene yeah. from doing what they need to do. Uh, uh, I'm just looking it up because I'm terrible with actresses' names as well and, and actors' names. Uh, Isa or Ia Briones. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, yeah. And, and again, you know, COVID, they've got a bubble. They've already got the actress. Probably just use her again, wouldn't you? You just keep yeah. it going. Um, but uh, the detective arrives. We're in Chateau Picard and he's looking around and then suddenly he sees this shimmer out in the forest from the Chateau Picard. So, obviously in horror style uh, yes. uh, 101, he goes and investigates the shimmer. No backup, doesn't no call backup, for anything. Yeah. I mean, she called and said there were screams coming from the chateau and there's one detective who comes out to get him. Now, we mentioned a previous episode uh, last time that there was no one manning the French satellites, so no one saw something plummeting into the ground. Clearly, nobody is doing any work in France right now <laughs> because one detective goes to investigate a potential murder, if not domestic disturbance. Um, you know, wouldn't you send two at least? You know, someone to back him up. But there we go. Um, 
he has his gun pointed. He's going through La Serena. And he starts um, uh, sort of seeing flickering lights and things like that. And literally at that point, if you've seen a, one horror movie, wouldn't you just pull back and say, look, there's something really weird uh, going yeah. on. Can I have some backup, please? Uh, I found a crashed airplane, I guess. Maybe, yeah. a, you know, you know, you might think it's a super secret jet or something. Yeah. Um, just call back. You know, there's something going on here. Uh, he starts lighting up a smoke. Yes. <laughs> he doesn't even think to stop then and radio through whilst he's having a cigarette. And the queen says, you're smoking. I can help you with that. Yes. Uh, nicotine addiction. Great. Um, so, yeah. Any thoughts on uh, police chef uh, chief um, uh, hasn't watched a horror movie in his life? Well, it's so true, isn't it? it, it it's, <laughs> it's, it I mean, it's almost it's weird, isn't it? Because that horror movie trope yeah. has become like a sort of an, another trope is that, <laughs> you know, that, do you know what I mean? I can't, it's like a, a sort of meta trope. <laughs> I'm trying to think how I explain it, but you know, in a horror movie, you go and explore the terrifying thing. Yes. <laughs> but in, in like, in like a non horror film, when there's something scary, yeah. you still do it, but you, you say, well, hang on a minute. Everyone's seen horror films. You don't do that. Yep. So it's like it's become a trope upon a trope. It's, it's really <laughs> odd. And you're right. I mean, seriously. I mean, like, first of all, why do they leave the Serena's doors open? Mm-hmm. You know, well, just leave it sort of, you know, I would just leave the doors open. It's a bit warm. Yep. You know. So first of all, how did he get into the Serena? How the hell, once he got in there, did he not think, what the shit is this? <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. You- yeah. It's the first thing you think. He doesn't even radio back to say, all right, I'm still going to go and investigate on my own so you know where I'm going. But could you look up maybe passenger manifests yes. that been a plane crash or something yeah. in the last you know couple of weeks that we didn't know about? Yeah. Um, you know, I can't believe that the grounds of Chateau Picard are that vast yes. that no one thought, uh, you know, maybe check the passenger manifest of a plane yeah. going overhead. I don't, I don't know. Uh, just really strange. Really yeah. strange why you just wouldn't just you know radio for something so yes yeah D- dumb placement walks in and yes. uh, gets a tentacle around his throat for the for the uh for the pleasure of it well um <laughs> she had a tentacle that could be used and she didn't use it up to this point yes why why <laughs> that's all i've got written down here it's like yep. well there are so many things she could have done up to this point Girati was on her own for a yep. good hour when they were doing all of the beam outs and car chases with the uh, fast and furious seven and Rafi um, last week. So, you know, why not use the tentacle earlier? Any thoughts? <laughs> story. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay, I'll go with that story. That's it. That's the only reason. I just, you know, I know that she does kind of want Girati to submit to her. Yeah. There's so a weird, there's, force... there's already a weird re- relationship developing there, isn't there? Yeah. So maybe you're right. Maybe it's something about Girati that intrigues her i mean obviously she's impressed by her true yeah but as you say i mean she must have more than one tentacle surely so when picard and gerati were sitting there she could have just gone boom onto both of them yeah job done yeah so as picard said like i've already been locutus she would take me in a second well why didn't she she was was right there um she would have had a willing drone to start off with who's picard you know with everything going on um yeah just very strange she's got 
tremendous restraint. Let's just say that, yes, Queen. Um, we go over to a cafe and we get uh, Q and Sung meeting for the first time. Yes. And it, it just made me think of, you know, this must be everywhere in the world, wherever there's a Star Trek convention, these actors just sit down and maybe go to, for a coffee somewhere or anything like this. And they just must have just thought, right, we've got a couple of lines to read. Uh, yeah. But this is pretty much just us hanging out in L.A., really, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> the, I could see the characters, but I could also see the actors in this scene. Mm. That I could feel it was John Delancey, it was Brent Spiner. It was like, let's just have a bit of fun. Let's ham it up. Let's chew the scenery. We're both villains, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, Soon talks about basement Nazis and heiresses who want to clone their cats their favorite cats yeah. uh, uh crackpot talk q plays on his father complex so again as you were saying makes perfect sense that he's playing up to that i am the evolution of stardust i am the butterfly yep. that flaps its wings i am death destroyer of worlds uh and then hands him a blue vial great q speech or a bit overdone what do you think i'm gonna go good q speech it yes i think <laughs> Q has always had a very high opinion of himself, hasn't he? Yes. There's no doubt about that. And I think this is this fits in with that character trait. You know, I think mm. it's, it's like this Death Destroyer of Worlds. Is that Shakespeare or something? Or That's, um, oh God, uh, not Schrodinger. Uh, what's, oh, oh, um, God, what's his name? Schopenhauer. Schopenhauer, yes. Is it from... The, um, Manhattan Project from Manhattan Project when he <coughs> when he first saw the the bombs drop on Hiroshima yes. and then um, Nagasaki, he then says, you know, I've become destroyer yeah. of worlds. Um, oh God, what is his name? I'm completely blanking now. Yeah, um, I'm too. I'm, yeah, it's terrible when you do that, but but no, well, I, I like that. Oppenheimer. I'm sure you're right. Oppenheimer, actually. Oppenheimer. That's yeah. it. Yes, it's one of the Heimers, Scheimers, <laughs> Schrodingers. <laughs> Schroding as uh, uh, atomic specialist, um, but yeah, that one seems to strike the chord the most. When he says "evolution of stardust," you can already see Stung like rolling his eyes. Oh god, yeah, here we go! Yeah, yeah. Poetry for crying out loud! And then butterfly flats the wings, and then he's kind of a little bit more intrigued because you know maybe that's interesting. But then as soon as he says "death destroyer of worlds," it seems to light a fire in him, like "oh, this guy's like me," and then it yeah. gets his attention. Um, then we flash over to the Watcher, and we find out there's going to be a gala. And there's some way that they can access Renee, keep an eye on her, keep her safe, you know, uh, save the astronauts, save the world. It's almost, yes. <laughs> it is almost heroes, you know, just change, yes. uh, change out the cheerleader. Uh, but we've got to plan a heist and it's going to be pretty much the setup for next week's episode where it's a big heist episode. Yeah. Uh, they're stronger together. Now, the speech that Picard says, you know, we need to work together because we are stronger together. We had a whole conversation about shoehorned in speeches in the mm. past couple of episodes. Now, for me, the way he said it and the way it was delivered, again, it felt a little bit shoehorned in. He said you know, the way he appeals to her is like, we are stronger together. It's like, well, mm. she would kind of know that, you know, she is a trained professional and she knows that yeah. if she needs to pull off something as big as a heist, a single operative is not as effective as a team of operatives who are well-trained in their areas and expertises. Um, it just felt slightly more shoe him shoehorned in whereas maybe later in the the heist he could say right you know we could go off here there and everywhere but if we keep this group of people doing this you guys are stronger together and yeah. like that same message could be hammered but a little bit later in the episode mm. right now it just feels like it's being said as like a 
then he got to turn to the camera and say, we're all stronger together. You know, this is talking to you. It just felt a little bit too Mm. over the head for me. But I don't know about you. No, it didn't really bother me. I didn't notice it as particularly. Um, I mean, I suppose it's, is it a commentary on Brexit and stuff like that? And, and just, just a general sort of the way that, um, Mm. you know, there's a feeling that there's, a, there's sort of um, the world is splitting up a little bit and people are being very protectionist and stuff. And mm, mm. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe I should really watch that and just see what I think. Cause I didn't notice that particularly mm. as yeah. a sort of, as a it, shoehorn. It could just be me looking into things far too much than I should do, uh, which we know is one of my flaws. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just the way it was delivered, it just felt like, yeah, they want to make that comment, and I completely agree with the sentiment. It was it the right time to make that speech? I think that's that's that was the thing that got to me. Uh, Chateau Picard, the Queen calls for Agnes. Agnes, Agnes. out on the wisp. So she's she's managed to clue into some speaker system that's on the outside of La Serena, and is like calling out through the forest. You know, you're isn't, overthinking, man. You're overthinking. I mean, <laughs> you know. Of all the tropes that I know about France, surely there's someone with uh, baguettes in a little basket in the front of a bicycle, like with some onions around his neck, cycling down a road past a forest, who's going to be hearing, Agnes, Agnes. <laughs> like, that's not the most subtle way of doing it, surely. Uh, but there we go. Um <laughs> Playing on her loneliness, and she calls her out, and she goes off. But uh, Agnes does spot a shotgun on the wall, mounted on the wall, for a house that's been abandoned for almost a yes. hundred years at this point. That shotgun works remarkably well, um, and it's loaded. And it's loaded, absolutely. Uh, now I don't know about gun laws in France. Now I know obviously America's got its problems, and I know that we have fairly strict laws. I don't know about France. Like, what no. is their stance on having an active loaded shotgun in the I middle of nowhere? Know. Yeah. That's very strange. Anyway, um, but uh, boom, she comes into the, the ship. We haven't yeah. really seen anything. She just comes in and shoots the Boar Queen at 27 minutes and 35 seconds. Now, we're going to jump forward a little bit later into the episode into 39 yep. minutes and two seconds. And the Queen is sort of right, reeling around. She's got a chunk missing from her neck. She's slowly dying. The detective gets let go and has passed out on the floor from the tentacle. So he's not dead. And as far as we know, not assimilated. Uh, Girati is sort of drawn in, again, like a butterfly to a, to a flame or a moth to a flame. She's sort of just drawn towards her. And it's like, well, I know Girati is somewhat assimilated at this point. She's had some interactive uh, uh, part with the Queen. And, and Picard did mention that it's like an addiction, that she would be drawn in. But I don't know. I kind of felt wanted more resistance from Girati at this point. But she just gets drawn in, almost like uh, Sleeping Beauty, towards, the, towards the, uh, the spinning wheel. And she just pricks her finger. Or in this case, the... the uh, Borg Queen takes her hand and pricks her face yeah. and assimilates her. And that's it. Girati's gone at 40 minutes and six seconds. Now, this is where we're going to end the episode, not the end yep. of the episode, because we're going to come back to this next time. But any thoughts on the Queen's assimilation? Yes. Um, I I like it, actually, because it's, it's, it's one of those funny ones. It's like I'm trying to think of if there's a, a technical term for it, but throughout this story, this they've been 
orbiting each other, haven't they? Mm. Girati and the Queen have been sort of orbiting each other and they've been sort of, I mean, flirting is the wrong word, but <laughs> there's almost a flirtatious thing in there. It's almost, you know, mm. and and this is almost like the, the, the you know, it's interesting, Girati shoots the Queen. Yeah. But she's drawn to her, you know, enough still that it enables the Queen to 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 sort of send her consciousness into her. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if there's a story. There's like a sort of technical term for this. You know the way they're the way they're sort of almost fated mm. to come together. Interesting. And it's yeah. been sort of foretold in the story. It's been sort of foreshadowed ah. throughout throughout the season. You know this this sort of connection, this sort of strange attraction to each other. Mm. It is like a dance, I suppose. Yeah. Like just they're, they're yeah. sort of you know weaving towards it. She's she is lonely, and the queen knows that. She pulls her in with that. Girati yeah. shoots her, so you know that's her way of fighting yeah. back. I suppose exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then you know after that, she realizes she's probably made a mistake because, as far as they know, it's the only way they're going to get back home because they need the supercomputer of the Borg Queen's mind to calculate the way home. Um, uh, maybe, uh, but also she is a cybernetics expert, so she's just killed the thing she loves the most. So she wants to go and help it. Um, and yeah, I was I was wondering if that that should have been more of the thing. It, the way it was played is that she was just like guided towards it and was drawn in like a tractor beam. I kind of wanted it to be like, oh no, I've just killed our way home, and she's she's out loud thinking like, oh no, I need to, you know, I severed artery, I need to do this, do this, do that, and then the queen is just sort of like puts the hand to her face and. You know, horror movie style. That's it. That's the moment she gets taken. Whereas this was just far more gel- gentle, and like you say, a bit more of a dance, and they were just gliding towards each other. I like that idea that it, it was sort of, you know, that they were always going to meet. That was always going to be part of this story. That that mm. she isn't necessarily fated to do so, but is at least brought into the only way she is going to become or feel special is yeah. becoming part of the Borg Queen, or to have the Borg yeah. Queen become part of her. Yeah, I like that. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. And and it kind of mirrors the nicer drawn together dance that we've been seeing with uh, Rios and Dr. Teresa. You know, okay. we know yeah. we know there's going to be something more coming up with that later in the season because yeah. we've already seen it. But, you know, they're being brought together in a in almost a, a love way. And then yes. uh, the Borg Queen and Girati are being brought together. I don't know, just to make it's themselves a, better. Yes, but it's a weird sort of, it's almost love as well, I think. Yeah. Almost. It's irresistible attraction or something. Mm. is isn't necessarily love, maybe the wrong word for it, but there's this just, it's, you, you can't escape, you know, they can't escape each other for some reason. Mm. Mm. They were always going to be, I don't know, the, the solution to each other's problems. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. And that's Girati's it. has got legs. Yeah, she's got <laughs> legs. That does help. That does help. If you, <laughs> although, you know, the ball queen's got that tentacle. Why didn't she make little she's tentacle walk, legs? Sort of walk on the tentacle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm sure that works on uh, Disney Pixar movies, you know, with the little tentacle uh, yeah, <laughs> or whatever. You know, I'm sure that works. Um, and that's it. That's the episode, uh, as far as we're concerned. It's not the full episode, so we've kind of gone old school Temple Trek. Where we haven't finished yes. an episode this way around. Uh, but because next week is just baffling, there's so many flipbacks and heists and... <laughs> Oh god, it's going to... and there, there's a whole thing where they say, "Oh, 26 minutes earlier," and then they jump back again, and then oh, okay. okay, all right, yeah, that's going to be a headache for that one. Um, 
but uh, loosely because we're not doing proper criteria at the moment but any continuity problems or canon or uh, you know any any problems there with the <coughs> c and consequences um i can't really think of anything hmm. um uh no i'm i'm reasonably happy at the moment hmm. i don't feel like there's any sort of kunking retcons or anything going on particularly mm -hmm. so no i'm quite satisfied for now yeah literally the only thing i could think of is obviously q had his plans long before this so that wasn't really part of this episode we just saw how it played out uh the queen taking over gerati again she already had this plan a sort of plan to escape this is just how it played out and uh picard and Tallinn, you know they sort of had a plan that they needed to solve something yeah and this is how it played out there, there really isn't anything in this episode that, you know, it's like, oh, because of this, everything else has to happen. Again, as I was saying last week, it feels like the characters are just moving into place, ready to get them to the next action beat or the next plot point. Um, it was just literally getting the characters from A to B so that we can get to C next week kind of thing. Mm. Um, not to say that's a bad thing. Again, the character interactions all made sense. Um but not a lot of consequences. The only consequence, timey-wimey consequence I can think of is Pedro Kirke, uh, who uh, who brings in the double fist. You know, it's the first, technically the first double fist of the 21st century in canon. Now, obviously, yes. Kirk was in the 20th century and did use it uh, back in the 60s, but, you know, he obviously learned it from his parentage and family so that is my that is my retcon pedro is a descendant of kirk or an ancestor of kirk yeah ancestor there we go that's the right way around um <laughs> uh alterations expansions anything that you'd want to go back to would, would you do you think they missed a point or missed maybe a scene here or there no i i really enjoy this episode i mm. think this is a good episode and for me there's enough going on so it's not you know it's not sort of stretched out or anything like that. It feels like there's lots going on. Mm. I think, I mean, there's always that, you know, we start with just saying with Girati, you know, could we have sort of tweaked that a little bit so that there was more sort of, as you say, maybe, you know, realizing that she'd killed their way back, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff. But I mean, that's, that's minor, you know, that that's, they may have even filmed that and, and not mm. used it. Who knows, you know? Yeah. Um, so I don't think really I would make any alterations. And the other thing I think is that this will only be the, I think I've watched it three times now, including when it was, when it was on. Yeah. So I don't really know it well enough yet. You know, mm. this is the weird thing about doing these, these review shows for these, <laughs> these episodes is that, you know, when we come back to enterprise or when we watch TNG or whatever, you know, you know it's so ingrained you've seen it so many times you, you know whereas these are, are it's, it's kind of kind of strange but really good as well because it means that you haven't got quite that sort of what's the word jadedness maybe when you've seen us when you know when tng mm. when i like the other day i i um i put on pick yeah. the channels here Yes, and I can't remember which one it was now, but it was oh, it was the one with Barkley when he goes in the in the transporter and there's those <sighs> sort of monster things. You know? Yes, yeah, and I've seen it so many times. I was like, oh, it's that one. <laughs> and I know what's going to happen, and but I sat and watched it. But... Yes, of course. 
but do you know what I mean? These these are very different in that way that you you know mm. you haven't got that sort of yeah. Mm. And, and of course, there's season three to come yet. Yeah. So you know we've seen the end of TNG, we've seen the end of Enterprise, we've seen the whole story. Yeah. We haven't seen the whole story of Picard yet, so mm. in in some ways it makes it harder, I think, to to really sort of in, and evaluate and you know sort of get into it because you know it's so fresh. Mm-hmm. But in another way, it's it's great because it's so fresh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, there there is that unknown element to it, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, alterations for me, you know, the scenes worked in and of themselves. You know, you could see where the characters were progressing. You saw how Q was manipulating certain, how the Queen was manipulating Agnes, how uh, Picard and um, Talon were sharing their respective information and realising that they needed to pull off this heist next week. Um, it, it all made sense. It's not great. Yeah. Maybe it's not the most standout scenes you'll ever see. Yeah. But there was some interesting stuff in there um that's it so uh, recommendations really it's hard again because we're on sort of in the middle of the season um to star trek fans do you think those scenes just if you were to pick those scenes out and show them to a star trek fan are they like quintessential yeah that's of course that's q that's sung that's picard that's talent and so on yeah i think i might do actually as i say i really enjoy this episode i think it's a good episode mm. so yeah i'm gonna go yes with this one Mm. Um, yeah I think so I think um, it's a good enough story mm. in, you know as you say in in itself it works Yeah, I think there's quite nice connections I hadn't really thought about it but you know as you brought up you know the connections between sort of Girati and, and the Borg Queen and mm. there's lots of sort of parallels through these different little mini stories for each mm. character mm. so I, yeah I, I think so and of course it's got um, Pedro Kirko. Exactly, exactly. You know, if you want to learn where it comes from, that's yeah. it. Uh, to non-Star Trek fans, though, do you, do you think those character scenes are entertaining in and of themselves? You know, if you plucked it out and you gave it to another set of characters in a different TV show, you know, are they interesting conversations? Are they good TV? I think it's good TV, yeah. Mm. I wouldn't recommend it to non-Star Trek fans because it just <laughs> you just you can't. You just what the hell's going on? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, it's interesting with Strange New Worlds at the moment. You know, you could do that. You could mm. recommend individual episodes, couldn't you? Yes. You know. Yeah. Definitely, and, yeah. and would quite easily do so. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I cannot yeah. wait. I, it, we're a day away now from Paramount Plus releasing over here in yes, the UK we as we're recording this. And even though I've watched all five episodes that are releasing. Uh, tomorrow um i cannot wait to watch them again because yeah. they're just such good solid episodes to just dive into yeah. Um, oh yeah absolutely but this isn't the strange new worlds that's no, coming no, it's not no, you're that's right. years and years away we're that's nowhere near away, yeah. strange new worlds. we still got to get through se- uh, discovery season one and two yet um yeah. <laughs> and the rest of enterprise oh god um <laughs> Uh, so that's it. That's it. We're, we're finished on our recommendations. So yeah. um, the last is S. Um, where can people find you selling your podcasts? Um, Academic Trek 47 on, on Twitter mm. and uh, the podcast Academic Trek, where you find your podcasts. Absolutely. Uh, so is that on hold with all the new job and everything going on? Just no, for a second? The, the new job is part time, actually. Ah, perfect. 
so that's really good so that's good for this this podcast excellent <laughs> and, it's, and it's yeah and not it's, on my it's own good. yeah and um yes in fact I'm, I'm speaking to a guy at the moment i think i might have told you he wrote a piece about um um oh, the the ds9 episode only the great ds9 episode about beyond the stars is it? yes yeah and he yeah. wrote a, wrote a piece about that so uh, i'm in the process of reading his his piece ooh. and um then i'm going to come up with some questions and stuff and then we're going to do a recording oh fantastic um, so yeah um in fact um maybe this is this is a nexus nights but we had a, there was a discussion I, I think i've told you before i'm a member of a group on facebook called academic um trachodemia okay yes it's like basically academics that are into trek and talk about mm-hmm. stuff it's often not about academic stuff at all it's just you know <laughs> but every so often there's a there's something comes up about sort of you know maybe someone's writing a piece or they're, they're you know looking for examples of stuff and we had we've been having quite an interesting discussion about the ages of star trek mm. interesting so what so where are we now mm. what age are we in now are we so so like the comic book ages so you've got your golden age your silver yeah, age so you've got, you've okay. got the, the, the tos Ooh. age you know the yeah. original sort of original age you've got yeah. tng ds9 voyager mm-hmm. enterprise mm-hmm. yeah yeah, another still part age, of it. yeah, but are the films a separate age? Are the TOS films separate Ooh. to the TOS? Yeah, seasons on t- on telly. Yeah, and are the oh, Kelvin timeline films part of the new Trek, or is that a separate thing as well? Mm. So there might be a po- podcast in that where we have some kind of roundtable mm. discussion and, and talk it out. Interesting. Oh, I like that. I can't wait for these. These sound like yeah. fantastic. Oh. There's a guy called uh, Steve Rabbish. Rabbish? I can never I can never pronounce his surname. Um, and he he's he wrote well, he was part of editing a an anthology recently, and they've called the new Trek Third Age of Trek. The third so age TOS yeah. TOS up to um all through the movies. Yep, yep through the TOS movies anyway. Yeah. Then you've got TNG, Voyager, etc. Okay. Up to um, Enterprise and the, inclu- including the um, TNG movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you've got the Kelvin verse going forward is the That's third age. Third age. Yeah. Interesting. So there is an overlap then between age one and two. That's interesting. Yeah. Because obviously you've got the last three TOS movies yeah. clash with the first of yeah, TNG. Yeah. Yeah. Ah. You see, now in my Temple Trek mind, I would then I would sort of say as soon as Star Trek Six came out, came came out, yep. whatever TNG episode happened at the same time, that's the end of the first age, right? And then from then on would be the second age. So actually, okay. TNG isn't a complete part, age, right? Okay, and it's somewhere between because seasons one and two are very much, I think, in a TOS age. Yeah, and that's yep. why they are so different from the other five yep. seasons, that's and true. then from that point onwards because you've got redemption isn't it redemption happened at the same time star trek 6 came out and that's right. why they got spock ambassador spock in redemption oh yes yep so i'm guessing spock spock's age so it's the kirk age up to redemption and star trek yep. 6 from then on it's the spock age because spock okay. then has obviously the whole thing and then ooh, then it's the reboot kirk age from the 
Kelvin verse onwards. Uh, and then that's 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 how I'd do it. So it's okay. Kirk, Kirk OG, Spock Age, and then Reboot Kirk Age. That's how I'd frame it. There you go. Okay. Anyway, yeah, because I like complicated things. Uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, uh, for me, check me out on the other podcasts with my other pod bros, uh, Sean and Paul on uh, Cosmic Pizza, and of course the Epsilon 3, which is the Babylon 5 rewatch. Yes. And that is it. So uh, join us next time as we're coming back yep. to this episode at 27 minutes and 36 seconds, uh, where we're going to go to the Sung household and looking for cures and effectively cures. Um, and then going into the next episode and possibly into the first bit of the episode after that as well, because it's like five minutes where it just joins into the next bit because we find out what happened to, to Picard and where he is and what's going on. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've got a lot yes. of... A lot of uh, little uh, timestamps to send you for the rewatch for next week. Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, God. But it is quite fast. Like That yes. whole heist thing goes very quickly. Yes. So That's there's true. not a lot to talk about because they're just getting like chased around by security guards. So it's pretty much it for 20 minutes. Uh, so it should be, in theory, easier and less to talk about, but more timestamps. There we go. It's the seesaw of Temple Trek. <laughs> so, uh, as always, um, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream. We certainly will. If you'd like to contact the show, there's now a Twitter account. Search Temple Trek Podcast at Rider underscore Coattail, or contact me directly at Hitch underscore Daniel. I'm also on Instagram, Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. There's also a website with all of the timestamps you need to follow along. Go to ridingcoattails.simplesite.com and click the Temporal Trek page link. The show is always going to be free, there's no Patreon at all. But if you wish to financially contribute to the show, feel free to find my books by searching me, Daniel Hitch, on Amazon. And we'll catch you in the next time stream. <laughs>